0: If you would, you can take your Bible, if you don't have one, there's one in the seat in front of you. Uh, 1 John, it's page 863 in the church Bibles. 1 John, just a second, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3, and I'm actually going to only read one verse, it's verse 5. 1 John, chapter 3, verse 5. Okay, let's hear God's word. 1 John 3, verse 5, 863 in the church Bibles. But you know that he, this is Christ, but you know that Christ appeared, that Christ, he, might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. One of the things I was hoping is that as you were listening and observing and to some extent participating in all that was taking place in this morning worship service to God... You, you came to some moment when you realized just how big the Christmas story actually is. That the story began way before and it extends far beyond the Christ child lying in a manger. Indeed, some of us maybe for the first time are realizing that the Christmas story is all over the Bible, Old and New Testament, pointing to or explaining the reason why God became man. That, that God became a baby, a, th- a fetus single-celled uh, embryonic human zygote, to quote Dr. Diana Irving of Princeton University. And this child grew up to be made sin because he knew no sin, to quote the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, that he appeared, and that's our verse this morning, you can see that if your Bible's open, he appeared to take away our sin, to quote the Apostle John writing from some undisclosed location. So if you were thinking this was a strange verse that I've asked you to turn to for our Christmas time talk, that on one level would be very understandable. You didn't read anything about shepherds and angels and wise men, so it's understandable. However, in light of all that we've learned already this morning, this verse would not be unthinkable. This is not a strange verse to speak from. Actually, it makes complete sense insofar as it takes us directly to the cross of Christ, the forgiveness of sins, which is the reason why Christ appeared, the very heart of the Christmas story. So we often say around here, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And what we have experienced thus far in our services kind of bears that out. Who is Jesus? Where did he come from? Why did he appear? What does it all mean? And why does it matter for everyone forever? And because of the implications of Christmas proper, it is so important that we are bowing underneath the explanation of Christmas from the creator of Christmas, God himself. So, in one sense, whenever we open our Bible, we're trying to rescue Christmas, not so much from the uh, commercialization. I mean, I understand that, but you know, if you really think about it, it's really good and it's really godly to give gifts. And who doesn't enjoy receiving gifts? And who doesn't really enjoy the fact that we can shut down a bit at Christmas time? And we have more time off. Many of us do. And our kids want to be home. And you can really eat food that is just fantastic stuff you don't normally eat. All of that. All because of Christmas. I mean, it's wonderful. There's so much of God's nature which is embedded in all of our Christmas time celebrations. So I'm not going to be so hard on them. man. I understand we can abuse it. But, you know, most of us work really hard. And when the time comes to celebrate to just throw ourselves into our holy holiday? Why not? I'm really certain that our Father in heaven would be pleased that when the time comes that we just throw ourselves into our Christmas time celebrations and just enjoy his common grace that he gives and spread that grace to other people. So the reason I'm concerned here is not so much the commercialization of Christmas, rather it's something far far worse. It's the trivialization of Christmas. It's the retelling of the Christmas story, which is something like the equivalent of eating way too many Christmas cookies. So we've all been there. At first, it feels kind of good. But after a moment, it leaves you feeling kind of bloated and a little disappointed. So the kind of Christmas story which is unable to answer the deepest needs of the human soul. So we've whittled God down to a personal fairy. You know, he sprinkles Christmas dust and everything is good. Or he's a genie and he just goes like that and makes these Christmas miracles appear. Or he's our cheerleader. Or he's our personal coach. And Jesus is going to coach you up if you come to him. He's going to fix all your problems all the time. So you get fired up by January 1 because that's when his plan will really kick in. He will make you the best of, 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 of whatever you want to do, whatever it is. And they never tell the rest of the story. If you're not the best, well, it must be your fault because it's God who's your coach, you loser. So the winners and the losers all defined by the things of time, external things, things passing away, not the forgiveness of sins, but the temporal things, things which Jesus Christ himself never had when he walked this earth. And there's plenty of that going around, an approach to Christmas which is fantastically appealing, but at the same time absolutely unsatisfying because it's unable to give us a true answer to the predicament of the human race. You would think after all these years we'd get some things right. It's unable to answer the question of our own quest for meaning in the world. Why am I here? It can't tackle the questions of suffering both at a global level and a personal level. It can't deal with the eventuality of our death and with our continuous search for satisfaction because we know sometimes we cannot get any satisfaction. I want you to listen. So many of our deepest longings to succeed and feel secure are legitimate, but they are answered by ways for us to be for ourselves what Christ should be for us. So what I want to suggest to you this morning is if we're going to understand Christmas, we have to allow the Bible to explain Christmas, giving us the clarity and the certainty, and I would hope the joy that we desperately need. Four headings. They're pretty short except for the first one. Number one, historical. In fact, you have a worship folder you can kind of track along with us at the very back there. And I chose the word historical because the Christmas story, the appearing of Christ, is true historical reality it's actual history there's not mythology I read recently that 40% of people do not think Christ actually ever existed the sad part of that is that there's more evidence written evidence on the existence of Jesus Christ than of Julius Caesar and no one ever doubts that he ever existed Caesar Luke a gospel writer and a doctor this is what he said I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning I, too, decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So orderly account, certainty. And so the historical nature of Jesus' appearance tracks with the very reason why he appeared. In fact, his name means what? It means Savior. So the predicament of men and women find themselves and is completely met in the true story of Christmas. Why did Christ appear? Well, look at your Bible. This is really good news. But you know that he appeared, verse 5, that he might take away our sins. It's actually written in the heirish, active, and subjective, which means it's a past action instantly applied to all who believe. And what John is telling us is simply this. Just think about this. What happened once in time, he appeared, has an impact on everyone for all time, for all eternity. do, do you know anything like that what happened once in time the appearing of christ had an impact on everyone for all time and for all eternity the christmas story then is at the very heart of the dynamic of the universe and its very hope of of renewal what happened once well he appeared the incarnation the birth narrative we walked through that already the crucifixion, the plot of evil people to rid the world of Jesus Christ. But actually, that little plot fell right into God's hand to save the world through Jesus Christ. The resurrection, Jesus is actually alive. All this had an impact for all humanity, for all eternity. So if we say things like, Jesus appeared because he loves us, that would be accurate, but it's incomplete. If we say Jesus appeared to give us an example of how we to live on this earth, Again, accurate. A little demoralizing for me because Jesus is great and I'm not. But still incomplete. However, if we say Christ appeared to take away our sin, then we have reached the very heart of the Christmas story. And the logic of that statement runs right up against what? Human pride and human blindness. That monumental event in the minds of some is like, well, Christ take away take away in our sin means that we have sins to be taken away. That calls for a question. Namely, have my sins been taken away? And if the response to that is no, then we must come to grips with the truth that we're still in our sins. So a person might ask, you know, does it really matter that I sin? Who can really say what sin actually is? And, and, and are you judging me right now, Joe? Are you judging me? Or... Here's a good one. Why doesn't God just blink or wave his arm and forgive me and everyone automatically? Why doesn't he just do that? However, in response to all that, some questions could be like this. Is there a person who is alive today who would say, I have never done wrong? Can there be a person alive today who doesn't know what it is to say, I wish I would not have done that. I wish I would not have said that. Why did I look at that? Is there a person alive today who sees the injustice of this world, doesn't say, maybe scream, that's not fair, that's not right? You see? So here's the deal. We might admit all that, but the big question is, what are we prepared to do about that? C.S. Lewis, who's, who's like one of my favorites, he said this, What you see and hear depends a great deal on where you are standing. So if you would, stand and look at the Christmas story in the way in which it has been presented to you this morning from God's Word. Look at it that way and then think through it rationally. That's our second word, rational. This is the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is is the infinite highness highness of being the mighty God, yet God becomes one of us. He's enmeshed in our condition. He lives under our vindictiveness. In order to know our darkness. So picture this picture a baby placed right smack in the middle of a drug deal gone bad, or picture a little child cleaning up the puke of her father's alcohol filled night, and as horrifying as that is, we are just beginning to understand what it means, that God becomes man, that Christ appeared into this dark world, his whole life lived in one great downward trajectory. I mean, who do you know that lives like that? One great downward spiral, down from the cradle, down to the cross. This is God, all of God in his Son to appear in time to take away human sin. To take away our greed and our lust and our lies and our pride and a whole lot more at the cost of his life, though he had no sin, as John said. The injustice of his punishment, punished for other people's sins, ought to get us fired up if we care about justice at all. He appeared, verse 5, so that he He might take away sin. Because we can't take away our sin. He appears to be at first weak and vulnerable. Now think. He's going to come out of desperate conditions. The whole story moves so slow. Baby, death, weakness, weakness. If you think about it, just like the forgiveness of sins. I mean, people would say, what's the big deal about that? We're all kind of like messed up. What's the big deal that my sins are forgiven? So think through this rationally let's say you're right now thinking this is crazy talk crazy guy crazy talk (laughs) then then what a crazy person who's trying to deceive you with a fake christmas story would you write it all that way because the christmas story tells me no matter what you've done no matter what your problem is god solves it with his grace God's grace in the appearing of his son, his death on the cross abolishes all the guilt and all the penalty of every one of your sins forever. So a person may be filled to overflowing with regret for their past. A person may be living with this great sense of failure that they can never shake. Or a person might be living right now with real-time heavy addiction, which feels like, like carnage to them. The gospel says it doesn't matter what you have done. If you were a thousand times worse than you are right now, now think about that. Who do you know that would still accept you if you were a thousand times worse than you are right now? Your sins would be no match for God's mercy revealed in the appearing of his son to take away sin. That means total equality for everyone at the foot of the cross. Total equality when Christ is received. Total forgiveness forever when Christ is received. And you know, the Christmas story tells me that if we never received anything else from God other than the forgiveness of our sins, the implications of that are so great in light of eternity that you will never feel loss. You understand that? If none of your dreams come true, none of your hopes and ambitions, if they just lay dead forever, the fact that your sins are forgiven, you will never have no or feel no loss. How come? Well, just listen. When Christ saves you, he saves you from the penalty of sin and the guilt of sin by his own atoning blood. He saves you from the power of sin, putting in you the very essence, the sanctifying work of His Spirit. He will save you from the presence of sin when He takes you out of the world to rest with Him forever. He will save you from all the consequences of sin. He will save you from the fear of death. He will give you an indestructible, blameless, forever body at the last day. So, loved ones, whenever God brings you to a point in your life, to a place where you acknowledge that you are hopelessly sinful, no matter how dirty or rotten or angry being brought to that truth makes you feel, it will be at that point when we see the necessity of a Savior, Jesus Christ, and say something like, yes, yes, I'm a sinner. (laughs) But when I heard your truth, now I'm a believer. My Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you appear to take away my sin. So take it away, Jesus. Take it away. And he does. And you know, that truth brought me back this week to my own conversion, where just as a little boy, I said to God, and I'm so glad I said this, I know I can't stop sinning. And because of Jesus Christ, he's been forgiving me ever since. Save me, Jesus. Don't coach me up. Save me. Save me from an eternity without you, an eternity where I have to live with myself, without you, in my sin, with no second chance to remove myself from that existence. Jesus, that sounds like hell. Thank you that you saved me from it. The true Christmas story, historical, really happened. It's rational. Think it through, it makes complete sense. It's emotional. You see, the Bible is so clear. One out of every four verses in the Bible speaks to the fact that Jesus Christ, who appeared to take away sin, he's gonna come back to judge the living and the dead in light of their sin. This is Hebrews nine twenty eight. He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who eagerly await him. So if you would, in your mind's eye, take yourself to that future moment. Just do it. Take yourself to that future moment. What are you feeling emotionally in light of what you're deciding right now mentally about Jesus? If you can get to that moment, it's like, praise God. Or you get to that moment and there's a little bit of uncertainty. That's why our emotions are so important. Final word. I told you they'd be quick. Final word, personal personal. So my, my favorite movie ever is Chariots of Fiver- Fire, excuse me, remember Eric Little, he's the runner who runs in the Olympics, but he won't run on Sunday. And when I first saw the movie, I was a teenager in a movie theater, and believe it or not, I was the only one in the theater watching the movie. And it was like the whole movie was just for me. The, 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 the content of the movie, the context, it had a deep and profound impact on me and I hope there's part of that here this whole story of Christ appearing to take away sin this whole story on one level is just for you it's just for you let it have a deep profound effect on you now think it all through think it all through your biggest problem according to Christ that you will ever have can be solved if it hasn't been solved already a whole way of looking at life knowing that this is wonderful because of the man on the cross there's more to it I understand that but this is where we start so Jesus Christ in his appearance so basic you take me he would say and receive me and you know what Enjoy me. Enjoy me. Because because of my appearing, hold on to this. You can begin every day anew as if nothing had ever gone wrong. That's the Christian message. Think of it. You can begin every day anew because of Christ and the forgiveness of sins as if nothing had ever gone wrong. I don't know about you. That sounds like good news. That sounds like great news. I finished writing my sermon Friday morning and I thought about two things. I'm going to tell you one of them. I thought about Brian Adams, the singer. And I thought about this song because this song is beautiful. Everything I do, I do it for you. Do you know the song? listen to this because I hear the song and I put Jesus this is Jesus don't tell me you're not worth trying for you can't tell me you're not worth dying for you know it's true everything I do I do it for you and then there's this verse look into your heart you will find there's nothing there to hide that's our sin can't hide it from God it's there and then, take me as I am. Take my life. I would give it all. I would sacrifice. That's our Savior. That's our Savior. The Christian message is historical. It's, it's rational. It's emotional. And it's personal. Take it personally. Take Jesus Christ. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a wonderful song from an adult choir. But I'm going to hang around here when it's all done. If anyone wants to ask me anything about Jesus, I'll be happy to try to answer those questions for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your merciful plan in the appearing of your Son to take away our sin, that He earned your favor in our place. And Father, we know that our only hope in life and in death has an answer. And the answer is in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray, Father, that you would work by your spirit and bring those to faith who need Jesus this morning. Appear, Father, in their minds and in their hearts and in their lives so that Jesus can be presented to take away their sins. And we pray this in his name, amen.
1: We'll be right